Sarnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25, cuts it inside. Perfect. 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50, to the 40, to the 30, to the 20, to the 15, 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer, but they're not going to. Nicks is back. Throws it down. Field. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Red Cup Auburn podcast. My name is Noble, and as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Wheeler. And today, we're going to be focused a little bit on recruiting. Uh, I asked a uh, question sticker on the Instagram page the other day, and that was the overwhelming majority of what y'all wanted to hear about. So we're going to give you guys just a little recruiting update with uh, football. So let me look at my little list so I don't forget anybody. Um, We're going to have so right now our class has a couple guys we've got let's see we've got five four stars and defensive tackle lee hunter running back armani goodman quarterback demetrius davis offensive guard jaden roberts and offensive tackle caleb johnson we've also got five three stars in athlete tarvarsh dawson three-star safety philip o'brien jr three-star tight end landon king uh, and then two offensive tackles in Garner Langlow and Jamarian Gooch. So right now, I believe we're sitting at number 27 in the country. Whether you're going to have to uh, – You said Gooch. <laughs> I, know, I, I love the guy's last name. It's just so It's just so funny, man. It is funny, uh, Noble. Say that one with a straight face ten times fast. I, I could not. But uh, I believe – so I believe in the class we're number 27. I believe. So yes, we, we are nationally ranked. Auburn is number twenty-seven. Uh, last year we finished out the year at seven. So obviously, a little bit of work to do to get back to where we were last year. I'm not super concerned with it being July and signing day being you know later. Who knows when signing day will actually be this year? Uh, whether they'll still have the early signing period or if they'll only have the uh, February signing day like it used to be. Um, and then currently we're ranked eighth in the SEC, which as I said, there's still plenty of time, but that's really concerning. Auburn should not be ranked eighth in the SEC. That's just pitiful. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, you look at what we were – I mean, you look at last year. We didn't – I mean, going into the early signing period, we were not at number seven. You know, we got a lot of guys that we weren't supposed to get. You know, that's just going to happen, and I think that we're going to have a similar signing day like that this year. There are a lot of guys on our list that – you know, are probably going to be making their decision at the early signing period, and uh, let's hope that the cards fall right and they pick Auburn. Yeah, last year we finished fifth, and so this year I'm just going to go through real quick who's ahead of Auburn right now in this year's recruiting rankings. So number one in the SEC right now, you have Tennessee. Okay, so that's a little bit jaded. I don't know how closely people were paying attention, but a few weeks ago, right when COVID was about to start, all that kind of stuff, Tennessee just started getting, like, bunches of commitments. Like, they would get, like, three, five, three, four stars, not five stars, three, four stars in a day. It was crazy. So, they're sitting right now. They have 23 commits. Okay, so that kind of explains why they rank so high. 
Yeah, they have a five-star right now. They have nine four-stars. But really, the reason they're ranked so high is because they have 23 guys in their class, and it's July. All right, followed behind that, you have LSU. Obviously, that makes sense. Uh, 13 four-stars, no five-stars yet. So, I don't know what Edo's doing there. I don't know if he's trying to lose a championship like he did his wife. But, you know. Oh, dang. <laughs> Too soon? That's ruthless, man. My gosh. I know. Well, I'm just out here spitting facts. He lost her. But he didn't lose his championship. All right, number three, you have Florida. 11 four-stars, no five-stars. You've got Bama, of course, always near the top. Two five-stars, six four-stars. Georgia, Texas A&M, Missouri. Noble, please tell me. Please tell me how Missouri is ranked ahead of Auburn right now. Yeah, I definitely think we'll be ahead of Missouri by the end of this uh, class. But we had a very slow start. But we have been picking up a lot of steam uh, recently. So I definitely think that we'll be picking it up soon. They have 15 three-stars. No, well, that's sad. But, see, the, the, that's the thing. Like, you got to look at some of these things and, like, look at Tennessee. The majority of their class is going to be three-stars. And a lot of the guys in Tennessee's class are going to stay as a three-star. Like, if you look at Auburn's class, there's a really good shot if that if a lot of these guys get their senior football season, there's a really good chance that Lee Hunter will get his fifth star back after he lost it when he wasn't going to camps or anything like that because of the COVID. I don't know why he lost it because he goes to Auburn and 24-7 sports loves doing that. So I think he'll get his fifth star back. As we mentioned back. on the podcast, absolutely exactly. ridiculous. And then you've got uh, Garner Langlow and Jamarian Gooch are both probably going to be four stars by the end of the period. And I think that we're going to, you know, get some more guys in the class. So I definitely think that this class right now, while it might not look like it's super star studded, this is going to be a, uh, this is going to have more four stars than it does now for sure. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, you don't, yes, you want the highly rated guys. But at the end of the day, you never know, like, how it's going to turn out. I mean, you look at Auburn's commitments all time, just looking at some of the five stars. So our top, like, five five stars. Number one, Byron Cowart. Byron Cowart, yeah. Yeah, what did he do? I mean, nothing. Absolutely nothing. here, at least. Yeah, I mean, he's in the league now. I mean, props to the guy for making it to the league. But, I mean, he didn't do anything at Auburn. All right, number two, Derek Brown. Obviously, absolute monster. Great player Everybody for Auburn. knows, yeah. Yeah, worth every five-star, everything that he got. Michael Dyer, I mean. Didn't do a whole lot for Auburn, but he was a, a big what-if. Yeah, his freshman year, he played really well. And then he got into the spice, and he got kicked off the team. He bounced from place to place. He never got his life together. And, I mean, he just ended up playing at Louisville. So, didn't pan out. Next guy, Trey Blackman. Dude was a great football player at Auburn. But what did he – I mean, he was a great football player. He didn't do much player. in the league, yeah. He didn't do anything. So, you just – you never know. I feel like you have a good shot with a five-star, obviously. But I feel like four stars, you just want to amass as many four stars as you can because guys are not going to pan out. Like, these are generalized recruiting rankings. You want as much – quality talent as you can get and you're not going to have you know 18 five stars in a class like that's just not going to happen so I think the four star is kind of 
the underrated thing inside of a class is what can you get out of your three and four stars because that's where the meat of your class is and that's where you're going to get those dot i hate to say a four stars a diamond in the rough but i mean honestly they're not as yeah i mean a lot of these four stars will be yeah like i mean like if you think like if jamari and gooch becomes a four star you're going to look at that guy you know he's not he's not a big time player he doesn't have 50,000 Instagram followers, you know, he plays in a small town in Tennessee. Like he's not going to be a guy that everybody's talking about coming into school and you know, all that. But once you get to Auburn, nobody cares what high school you went to. Nobody cares how many Instagram followers you have. Once you're on the field, it's, can you block this guy? If it's a yes, it's a yes or no. If you can block this guy consistently, if you can block all these fantastic edge rushers that you're going to be seeing week in and week out, then the NFL is going to come in and be like, well, this guy can block. I mean, these guys can block all these guys, so I'm going to want this guy on my NFL team. You know, so it's just – Yeah, he's going to be coming in more known for his last name than for his national ranking of 770. That is very true. I mean, 770, that that's true. pretty far down. Yeah. But, but also, for everyone wondering, the uh, – the, the now the person with the richest contract in NFL history, Patrick Mahomes, is now on a tw- is currently has twelve years on his deal, over five hundred million dollars. He was a three star recruit in high school. He had four D one offers. It was like Texas Tech, UTEP. Like it was it, it was not like the the fact that Texas Tech offered him was kind of a surprise to him. Like you know. Nobody would have thought in high school this guy's going to pan out and be one of the best players to ever play the game. But, you know, that's the track he's on right now. And he's going to be making more money than any of us have ever seen in our lives. You know, so it's just the recruiting rankings can be skewed sometimes. They can. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Noble, it's time for trivia. Are you prepared? Goodness, I am prepared. All right. Patrick Mahomes, richest contract in football right now, correct? Correct. All right. How much is Pat going to be making per hour? And he's always on the clock for 10 years. Per hour? Per hour. What's his hourly rate? Hint, it's is not it, 725. I'm which is, get, is it like, minimum wage. Is it like 530 something? Something like that. $530? Something like Yeah. Try five thousand dollars an hour a couple zeros i was a zero off you were just a little bit off this man is raking in the money put it in perspective that's crazy that is that is very crazy that's a lot of money man there you Mm. go noble i'm winning the trivia thing you got to step up your game well, sorry, man. I don't have the ability to do math. Twelve years divided by whatever it would be to find how many he's it's making per years, hour. And if you, if I could do it, you can certainly do it. Yeah, if you have a calculator with you, I'm not allowed to use a calculator. It's considered cheating. Okay, whatever. But calculate those recruiting rankings. <laughs> but let's move on to our biggest targets on our list. The who I would say is right now the biggest target is five-star cornerback Gaquinsky McKinstry, and I'm probably butchering that name. It's very difficult to pronounce, but everybody calls him Kool-Aid. That's his nickname. It's what they call him at Pinson Valley High School. That's where he goes. A lot of people will remember that. That's where Bo Nix was starting quarterback for his high school career. 
Bo and uh, Kool-Aid are really good friends. And Bo has really been trying to get him to come to the Plains. He named his top five a couple weeks ago. It was Georgia, Auburn, Clemson, LSU, and Bama. Um, and, you know, you can just listen to those. Those are elite programs, you know. Those are guys that are raking in top five recruiting classes year in, year out. These guys are going to national championships often. But a lot of recruiting experts are expecting him to stay in state, which makes it more of an Auburn-Alabama battle. Um, this is a really big pickup. This Auburn really needs this guy. This would be a huge, huge pickup. Auburn wants this guy arguably more than anyone else in the class. But Bama's right there as well. Uh, with a lot of these DBs, especially in this target, Auburn has been trying to sell – guys like Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Noah Igbenogany, you know, all those guys, you know, because in the past three years we've put uh, – we've had a DB drafted in the first two rounds. Auburn is really selling that. Um, so, hopefully, McKinstry will pick the good guys. So, Weather, what are you thinking about uh, Kool-Aid? Obviously, I would love to have him come and play at Auburn. He's a really solid uh, DB. And Auburn, I mean, has – low-key become a really good DB school. Like, I know LSU yeah. is typically known for having their DBs be an elite. But, I mean, putting guys in the first and second round of the NFL draft, that's that's what you want to see, you know. That yeah. tells you that the coaching's good. That's telling you that if you have the talent that they can produce um, and get you where you want to go. Um, kind of the interesting sidebar, you know, everybody talks about Bo Nix went to Pinson and his dad used to be the coach there. So you had, you know, the Auburn influence on that side. But their new coach, uh, Sam Shade, I want to say is his name. He, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, he played at Alabama. And he was on a national championship team there. And he uh, went on and played in the NFL for a while before. He coached at the Browns, actually, for a little while before coming back down to Pinson Valley. So it's very much like it's the most, like, Iron Bowl thing ever of, like, mm -hmm. your coach, your freshman and sophomore year, you know, was this Auburn guy, and then your coach your junior and senior year was this Bama guy. So, I mean, I definitely think he has a lot of forces pulling his way. Um, and we'll just, I hope that Auburn, you know, the bag man, can get the Kool-Aid. Let's hope so. Uh, next on the list, we've got five-star linebacker Smale Mondin. He is from Dallas, Georgia. His top five is Auburn, Florida, Georgia, LSU, and Tennessee. So, right now, Georgia's the favorite because usually most five stars in the state of Georgia usually do go to the University of Georgia. Um, Mondin has a really great relationship with Kirby Smart, but his relationship with Travis Williams, Auburn's linebacker coach, is phenomenal. I mean, they are – they talk all the time. T. Will is the reason we are in his recruitment. If we did not have Travis Williams, we would not be in this guy's recruitment. Um, Georgia's the favorite right now, but – a lot of people have been wondering about Mondin's recruitment date or his commitment date, and it's kind of been pushing, pushed down the road a little bit, which is good for Auburn. Um, usually when you're considered the favorite, you want the guy to commit as soon as possible just to get it out of the way. But, uh, yeah, right now I'd say Georgia's the favorite with Auburn and Tennessee and probably Florida, if I had to take a guess, would be the, the closest ones, but I'd say Auburn's second in his recruitment right now. But this would be a huge guy. He reminds his recruitment reminds me a little bit of Owen Papo, you know, from a native, you know, Georgia guy, five star, just a really good player. But you know, Auburn's been doing really well on the on the linebacker front. 
in recent years. I mean, ever since really 2016, we've had really good linebackers at Auburn, good depth. So I definitely think Mondin would make a really good fit, and he would fit in our defense really, really well. So, Wheeler, what do you think? Yeah, I always like our chances when we put T. Willop against anybody, um, especially when he has a good relationship with the guy. I think T. Will is one of the best recruiters at Auburn, and I think it's because he really loves Auburn, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. he's not just – it's not like – and I don't want to blast other coaches. Yeah, but, like, so a lot of coaches, they're recruiting to that school because, like, they're they're getting paid to do that, you know? And, like, obviously Mm -hmm. they want to win, but, like, T. Will has, like, he's an Auburn dude, so, like, he has more to it than more than just I want to win so that I get paid more. I want to win because I'm competitive. Like, it's a family thing for him. Like, it's where he went to school. It's a big deal to him. And so I think that he's able to be a little bit more authentic than other coaches are at other schools. Not that, you know, other coaches at Auburn that didn't go to Auburn can't be authentic in their love for Auburn. But I think it is just a different feel. Um, so I think that that's a good thing. But, I mean – just as a player, I mean, 6'3", 220 in high school, I mean, that's that's what you want to see. I mean, that guy – Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that he's ranked so high. He uh, is ranked ninth nationally, the number one linebacker. Uh, I mean, that's just – yeah. Yeah, I would love to get him, obviously. Uh, anybody that's ranked that high, you definitely want to have on your football team. Definitely. He's a really big-time player. Uh, And then the last five-star that's on this list is five-star offensive tackle Amarius Mims from Cochran, Georgia. He has not named a top five, but his top ten consists of Oregon, Tennessee, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, Clemson, Florida State, Oklahoma, and Auburn. Um, So this one is – I wouldn't say as much of a – I'd say it's more of a long shot than Mondin and McKinstry, but I would definitely say we're in the running. I'd say uh, Georgia and Alabama – and Tennessee are kind of at the top. Auburn's in the running, but we've got we've got a good amount of work a good amount of work to do. I'd say that he's he, he's a guy that we really want, but I don't think we're banking on this guy being in the class. So like we're obviously going to be pushing for him really hard, but there are other guys that we're going to be I think expecting to be in the class. But I mean, we're going to be pushing this guy hard. He has a good relationship with uh, Jack McNeil, the Auburn offensive line coach, uh, and that's a huge thing in recruiting, y'all. Like relationships are the biggest thing. Like a lot of these players are going to go to the school where they like the coach the most, and where they like the can't like the campus and how much the team wins. Like that that matters. But the relationship with their coach is a huge deal, and we saw that with Broderick Jones in the last recruiting cycle. You know, his offensive line coach left to be the head coach at Arkansas, and he almost pretty much just opened his recruitment back up. Like, I mean, Auburn almost, you know, swooped in there and got him, but he ended up staying at Georgia. But a lot of guys really thought he was going to flip and come to Auburn because he kind of lost that relationship with his offensive line coach. That's a huge saying. Relationships are huge, huge in recruiting. So, Wheeler, what are your thoughts about uh, Amarius Mims? Yeah, obviously Auburn needs – some offensive linemen that are not transfers from Yale or something like that. You know? Akron. Yeah, Akron. Sorry. Another powerhouse. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, Auburn has really struggled in offensive linemen recruiting in recent years. And so I think this would be a really big get for the class. Uh, guys, 6'7", 315. Um, he has the size. He obviously has the technique because he's ranked so uh, high nationally. 
I mean, he's a really good football player. Uh, it's a tough, tough thing to pull. I feel like Auburn's done better getting defensive players out of the state of Georgia than offensive players, and I don't mm-hmm. know why that is. I don't know if it's, you know, Kevin Steele just has a really good uh, foothold in the state of Georgia or what's been going on with that. Um, so if I had to make a call today in July, I'm going to say the guy's going to Georgia, but I would definitely love to see Auburn make a push for him during the season. For sure. But, I mean, I, I got to hand it to Big Now. He's done a really good job, you know, recruiting offensive linemen in this in this cycle. I mean, we've already got two four-stars in the class and two threes. You know, if those threes bump up to the four – I was listening to uh, Keith Niebuhr on the Chuck Oliver show earlier, and he was saying that they're, that he thinks that Langlo and Gooch will both become – four stars so I mean if you're looking at a class where we've got four four star offensive linemen coming in like that's big you know no it's definitely big it's an improvement for sure for sure yeah I mean I I don't know the exact numbers of what our uh offensive linemen have been in the past I know uh Prince Tega Winoga was a four I believe Markel Harrell and Mike Horton were both three stars uh and then Jack Driscoll was a transfer from UMass so I mean you're looking at that you know, it's not really great. You know, I mean, we've seen what they could do. But I think that if you could get a bunch of four stars that are all playing together for a long amount of time, I think that could be – that could uh, make a really, really good unit. Yeah, and what we Definitely. said earlier about, you know, five stars that weren't panning out, some of Auburn's top guys. Offensive line is one of those positions where you don't see a lot of guys that are five stars not paying out because it's not really a position that – I feel like a lot changes in college. Like, you got to be big in high school and pretty athletic. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, mm-hmm. yes, there are the guys that don't play as well in college as what they were predicted to. But I would say the majority of guys that come in as highly rated four stars and five stars on the O-line usually end up going to the NFL. Um, yeah. Well, and a big thing is because it's like a, a huge thing is effort. Like, Effort is a huge thing, and I'm not saying that a lot of these guys that don't pan out necessarily have bad effort. But there are a couple guys that I've heard did not have good effort. Like Calvin Ashley was a five-star offensive tackle that came in. I heard that he was lazy, didn't want to work as hard as everybody else. He just wanted to walk in and do his thing and get paid, you know, when he got to the NFL. Do his thing in college, eventually get to the NFL, get his money, whatever. And that's not how it works. It doesn't work like that in the SEC. So if you look at these guys in high school – the, the way that they do this is if you've got – you look at a guy like Nims. He's huge, but he has great footwork. And that's the thing because, like, Gooch and Langlow, all those guys, they're throwing their matchups around. Like, these guys are massive. They're going up against guys that are smaller than them usually. They're throwing them all around. But the thing is, you got to look at how their footwork is. And if they have really good footwork in high school, then it's going to even get better in college. And that's why a lot of these offensive linemen usually end up uh, – panning out pretty well but because uh, guys that don't have good footwork that's usually the three-star guy like Markel exactly. Harrell and Mike Horton came into Auburn and they were huge you know what I'm saying like they had the athletic ability to be SEC football players but they maybe didn't have the technique to be an SEC football player at that time exactly and so, they and so that's the that. thing yeah so that's the thing in college like that's what that's what your coach is for he's there to you know get your footwork down and get you as good as possible and if you look both of those guys are currently on an NFL roster so I mean we did our job um and so one of those at, things where technique is I mean that's a big 
Out yeah, of all the it's different, everything. like receiver, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a little, there's technique to being a receiver or being your running back and stuff. But O line, it doesn't matter how strong you are because the guy lining up across from you in the SEC and in the NFL is just as strong, if not stronger. And it's who's better at their technique, really. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then next on the list, we've got four star safety Cameron Kinchins from Miami, Florida. His top five is LSU, Auburn, Miami, Nebraska, and Texas A&M. He has a commitment date set for this Saturday, July 11th. And, you know, it's pretty much – it's an, it's an Auburn versus Miami battle. You know, it's, it's either going to be Auburn or Miami. Um, and so it's going to be a little – it's going to be a little interesting because, you know, Miami, I've heard from a lot of guys, Miami is really selling him on, you know, staying in state, staying in home, you know, rebuilding the U – and get, getting back to the smash mouth defense that was in like the 2001 Miami team and all that. Whereas, like I said earlier, Auburn is selling, you know, we've been putting DBs in the NFL and what has Miami been doing? Like, you know, you look at the past draft. Playing Miami terrible football. In, exactly. Miami's going, getting, struggling with five wins and all this weird stuff going on, scoring three points in their bowl game. And, you know, while, we're probably not flexing our bowl game too much. But, you know, we're saying – we're putting DBs in say, the NFL. Whoa, I'd chill out we're, on that one. We're putting DBs in the NFL, and that's our main thing. That's that's our biggest – that's our biggest recruitment uh, over a lot of these other schools right now is if you look, you know, NF, we're, we're kind of changing the narrative that good DBs don't go to Auburn. Because, you know, in the past it was kind of – if you're a really good DB, you're going to Florida, you're going to LSU, you're going to Alabama. But now we're saying, look, I mean, we're, we're putting we're putting our guys in the league just as much as they are. Like we've got we've got two seconds and a first, so like you're getting into the league. You're getting we're putting up starting DBs. Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean are both top five DBs in the NFL when it comes to uh, deflected passes. I mean. We're, Auburn has done a really good job putting DBs in the NFL, and we're selling that to all these guys. Um, but definitely Cameron Kinchins will be a really big pickup if we can get them. It's a, it's a really close battle right now. I mean, I, I think it's a coin flip right now on if he's going to Auburn or Miami. We're just going to have to wait and see on the 11th and just cross our fingers and hope that it comes to Auburn. I think you hit on a good thing about the NFL thing because you look back at Miami's NFL draft this year, and their first player was selected in the fourth round. Okay, that's not great. They had two fourth-round selections, a fifth round and a seventh round. So, yeah, I understand that in 2001, the U was great. You know, they had Ed Reed. They had Ray Lewis. Wait, did they have Ray Lewis? Not Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. Ray Lewis and Ed Reed played at the Ravens, not at Miami. Yeah. My bad. They had Ed Reed. They had all kinds of linebackers. They were legit on defense. That was 19 years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, and then their claim to fame. These guys were born, yeah. yeah. These guys were, you know, being born when the view was good. Exactly. So you can't say, oh, yeah, Miami has a proud tradition. Okay, well, what have they done since then? Literally, the turnover chain. They brought the turnover chain to college football. It is a terrible thing that they have brought to college football. All these people have all their turnover. I don't know, Ark of the Covenants. It's ridiculous <laughs> what all these people are doing now. People need to chill out. If you want to get the football more because you get a chain on the sideline, you need to check your motivation for winning exactly, the football yeah. game. Do you not want to win the football game more than you want to get a chain on the sideline? Seriously. Exactly, no. yeah. 
No, so when your claim to fame is a chain and not, you know, NFL draft picks, fourth round, not great. 2019, same thing. Fourth round was the first player drafted. Then a fifth, a fifth, and a sixth, and a sixth. So you're consistently best players at Miami are going in the fourth round of the NFL draft. No, yeah. I mean, I understand it's a, t- it's a great pitch looking at their campus and stuff. I follow former Auburn coach Rhett Lashley on Instagram, and now he's the offensive coordinator at Miami, and he posts pictures of their campus and of their student center and all this stuff. I mean, their student center is like on the ocean or something. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> like their practice field is basically on the beach. I understand it's really nice. But I'm just saying, from a pure football perspective, Auburn is a way better destination. For sure. If you want to win, I mean, Auburn's going to win more than Miami, especially in the next couple four years. Um, but next up, we've got four-star weak side defensive end Jeremiah Williams from Birmingham, Alabama. He named his top six a little while ago. It was Oklahoma, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, uh, and LSU. I think I accidentally put Alabama twice. I believe the – the sixth school was Florida. Never mind, I already said Florida. I think it was Georgia. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, Noble. I'm, Come I on. I messed up. I messed up. But oh, regardless, new? it's really only down to two schools right now. It's an Auburn-Alabama battle. You know, it's a uh, – he's going to – I believe he'll stay in state. That's my prediction. It's between Auburn and Alabama. He's really, really good friends with uh, Kikwinski McKinstry. They hang out together all the time. So, I think that will be an interesting thing to monitor – because, you know, if one of these schools, Auburn or Alabama, gets one of these guys, that'll be an extra that'll be an extra pull, you know, like a leg up on getting the other one if these guys really want to be teammates together. So I think that'll just be an interesting thing to monitor. But, uh, you know, the Auburn staff really, really loves Jeremiah. You know, he's a really talented pass rusher. He's just really good. Great relationship with Rodney Garner and Gus Malzahn. It's just going to be – this is the guy that we really want. This is a guy that really fits the Auburn defense really well. Um, Auburn has prioritized this guy for a very long time. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think that we have a really good chance at this guy. I'd say that right now – I'd say right now Auburn has a slight lead over Alabama for uh, Jeremiah Williams for sure. Who – oh, man, I'm blanking on the name. Who was the pass rusher – that Auburn had like two years ago. He took the Taekwondo class and he started wearing Jeff the Holland. Jeff Holland. This guy reminds me a lot of Jeff Holland. A little bit faster than Jeff Jeff Holland. Maybe a slight bit more athletic, but just style of play. Could you see it? Oh, for sure, dude. I love I love the way that Jeremiah Williams plays, and he does remind me of Jeff Holland a little bit. But Jeff, I love the way Jeff Holland played, man. Like he was just he was just such a talented pass rusher, and I feel like we haven't really seen that uh, since, you know, because like Marlon Davidson is a fantastic defensive end, but at the end of the day, he's really not a pass rusher. You know, he is a true defensive end. He's a great run stopper and he's a decent pass rusher. But like a guy like Jeff Holland, he was a guy that you, you know, on third down, he just pins his ears back and goes after the quarterback, would get strip sacks all the time. You know, he was just a really good pass rusher. And that's who Jeremiah Williams reminds me of a lot for sure. Yeah. And I think the Auburn defense has missed that. And that's tough to say with as good as the defense has been. But it's been it's been that pressure up the middle. And I feel like it's harder to get that pressure up the middle on a third down. Because people will double team inside and then 
if you don't have an elite edge rusher, then it's easy for the running back to pick up, you know, an edge rusher with the help of a tackle. Uh, so I think having an elite edge rusher definitely will help those DBs that are going to the NFL and doing all this stuff look a little bit better while they're at Auburn and not, you know, because a lot of times I think Auburn fans get mad that a DB gets, you know, beat on a route, but it's because, well, if you let the quarterback sit back there for five seconds, like, yeah, you can't cover someone for that yeah, long. The NFL doesn't look to see if you can cover a guy for five seconds because in the NFL, you don't have five seconds unless you're Patrick exactly. Mahomes. And the reason that he just got paid all that money is because nobody else has five seconds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, they're not looking at that. And I think that that's what a lot of fans, they get really mad. They're like, oh, he gave up a pass. Well, okay, look and see how long did this quarterback have, this and that. Whereas when you have Jeff Holland, you know, eating your lunch – you're not going to be able to throw a deep ball or anything. Exactly. And that's, that's another thing, like, it, everybody on the defense all works together, you know? Like, the DBs won't look good if your defensive line isn't doing anything. Your linebackers aren't going to look good if your defensive line's getting blown off. Your defensive line's not going to look good if they're, you know, doing their job and the linebackers can't make the tackles. So, like, all of it all works together. And that's why it's so important, you know, recruiting-wise – if you're getting all these guys on the defensive line and you have a great defensive line all these years, it, like if we had the defensive line that we had last year, for example, but we didn't have K.J. Britt and Owen Papo, Chandler Wooten and Jacoby McLean making the plays that they made, the defensive line wouldn't have looked nearly as good as they did. So that's just a thing. Like The whole defense works together, and that's why it's kind of difficult to say, like, oh, this unit of the defense is so good. You know, I think it's just saying, like, it's easier just to say this defense as a whole is good. This defense works together really well. I feel like that's easier to say than just saying, oh, well, they have a good DB or whatever. But uh, let's move on. Next on the list, we've got – this one's kind of a uh, – this one's kind of an uh, interesting one. It's four-star wide receiver Shadrach Banks, native of Houston, Texas. He's currently committed to Texas A&M, but – He's teammates with Auburn commits, Demetrius Davis and Jaden Roberts on North Shore in Texas. That's a – I feel like they're going to be recruiting this guy really hard because, you know, as a high school quarterback, you know, you're going to want to – you're going to want to throw to guys that you're familiar with. Like Bo Nix, he really wanted to have George Pickens to throw to because they were familiar with each other. They were friends. They threw it around. And, you know, in the uh, Alabama All-Star game, Bo Nix only threw it to George Pickens. George Pickens had 13 catches, and all of them were to, from Bo Nix. And, you know, obviously Pickens just left us and went to Georgia. But, you know, as a quarterback, you really want to and build And slung a guy chemistry. into a wall. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, as a quarterback, you really want to build your chemistry, and it's a lot easier if your chemistry is built in high school and then you bring it to college with you. So Demetrius Davis is 1 million percent going to be recruiting Banks to Auburn with him, you know. Or Davis has already done a really good job of recruiting. You know, Jaden Roberts, I don't even know if he would have ended up in the class if not for Davis. Uh, tight end Landon King is friends with Demetrius Davis as well. He probably wouldn't have ended up in the class without Davis, seeing as how he was committed to Texas. And then when Demetrius committed to Auburn, he decommitted and ended up joining our class as well. So Demetrius Davis is definitely doing a really good job recruiting for Auburn. He is definitely – a very valuable member uh, in this class. But I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Banks. I think that it's just a kind of something to monitor, just a little situation to monitor. But uh, either what are you thinking? 
Noble, I'm just a little bit concerned that you're putting guys on here that are already committed to somebody else. I mean, I'm concerned about your future life. You know, when you got a girl, you're going to be on <laughs> that vibe of like, just because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't shoot your shot. I mean, just because they're hey, committed doesn't mean I can't keep recruiting them. Um, but that's the thing. Like, there are tons of guys, like, there are tons of guys that flip commitments all the time, especially when they commit this early, you know? Like, it's just the thing. I was listening to a, an interview from Urban Meyer the other day, and he said, like, when this guy committed, he just said, okay, like, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference for, to, for him. And it's just like, you got to keep recruiting these guys. And the commitment is just saying, you know, I think I'm going this, I'm go, I think I'm going to go here right now. But, you know, nothing's set in stone until they sign on the dotted line. They're going to Texas A&M or they're going to Tennessee or they're going to Auburn. I mean, look at George Pickens. The man was committed to Auburn for two and a half years, and he commits to Georgia on signing day. Like, that's why, I mean, and it worked out for Georgia. See? Like, you got to keep recruiting these guys even if they commit to a different school because as much as it annoys us when a commit for Auburn goes somewhere else and makes us feel really good – when someone who's committed somewhere else decommits and comes here. So, it's just my yeah. take on it. I think it's definitely a possibility. But Auburn fans, I would not hold your breath that this guy's going to leave Texas A&M and come to Auburn. Yeah, I wouldn't hold – I would not hold your breath on him. But I think it's a name to monitor. I think it's something just to kind of sit and see. Now, the, the last guy on our list, four-star defensive end Dylan Brooks from Roanoke, Alabama, currently committed to Tennessee – it was, a, it was a surprise for me when he committed to Tennessee. He has a bunch of relatives that went to Auburn, and he was at just about every Auburn home game last season. Like, whether it was an official visit, unofficial visit, the dude was on campus all the time. And, you know, he's a guy we really like, defensive end. Rodney Gardner was pushing for him really hard. And then he goes to Tennessee, and it was kind of with that whole group of people all committing to Tennessee at the same time. I don't think Tennessee is going to finish with the number one class in the SEC. I think a couple more guys will decommit. But Dylan Brooks is a guy that we're still really prioritizing uh, to try and get in our class. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But we're really pushing really, really hard for Brooks. And I definitely think we have a good shot of getting him to decommit from the volunteers and coming here to the Plains. Yeah, I think that this is just a classic bagman story. Uh, and I can see this one – being one that, like you said, the guy committed, it was kind of a peer pressure thing, like, oh, you know, me and, like, four friends, we're all going to commit to Tennessee. We're going to build Tennessee back to where it was when Peyton Manning was there. And then you kind of said it's your house, and you're like, dang, I'm going to go play for Tennessee. And they've been terrible the last few years. And Jeremy yeah. Pruitt, you know, may or may not be there at the end of my four years, kind of depending on how we play. Um yeah. And, I and think then you've got Rodney Gardner talking in your ear, and you're like, well, you know, what has Tennessee been doing? We've been, you know, doing better than Tennessee. We're putting guys into the league, you know. Winning SEC championships. I've been here for seven years, you know. I I think that this is a guy that I could seriously see flipping. Um, I don't see him staying with Tennessee. Even if he doesn't flip to Auburn, I do not see this guy going to Tennessee. I also don't see a lot of their players sticking with them. Um it's kind of – I think Ole Miss kind of had something like this. So, they had that one year where they had uh, – who was the big recruit? It was Laramie Tunsil, and it was uh, Kim Dietschy, Robert Kim Dietschy, 
Um, and so they had a big year that year. And then the next year they had all these guys committed. And then like a week before signing day, everybody oh, no. just yeah. ghosted. Everybody went to Auburn, LSU, Alabama, the places where big time recruits go. I see that happening with Tennessee. Uh, I don't think Jeremy's going to be able to hang on. And hopefully this guy will flip to Auburn. Yeah, I think that's another thing that's like another pull that these Auburn coaches have. You know, Rodney Garner's been there for a long time. Kevin Steele's been there for a while. And Kevin Steele has had head coaching offers. In fact, before Tennessee hired Jeremy Pruitt, they really wanted to hire Kevin Steele. And Steele said, no, I'm going to stay at Auburn. So I think that's a thing. Like, these guys are like, we're not going to get fired. You know, like Auburn's defense has been really, really good for the past couple years. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Kevin Steele is one of the highest paid assistants in the country. He's not going anywhere. Our defensive line has been fantastic under Rodney Garner. He's not going anywhere. Our linebackers have been great under Travis Williams. He loves Auburn. He's most likely not going anywhere. Like, you look at that. These guys aren't going anywhere. Like, and Gus Malzahn, he, he might go somewhere. I don't know. But he's, he is an offensive guy. And from what I, everything I've heard about Auburn football's practices is that the defense is one thing, the offense is another. And Gus Malzahn is the head coach of the offense, and Kevin Steele is the head coach of the defense. So these defensive guys, their coaches aren't going to be changing every year. It's going to be a very similar thing, especially for the defensive linemen and the linebackers. When they have a coach, that's why building a relationship for these guys is big because they're like, you're going to have me all four years or three years, three or four years. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be your coach. So I think that's a big thing, especially for a guy like Brooks and, you know, Tennessee, their coaches at this stage have kind of been more of a revolving door than Auburn's. Yeah. But so I think that's the, that's the end of our list. We don't have enough time to talk about – a couple of the other things we wanted to talk about, but we'll be talking about that next week. Another thing that a couple of you guys wanted to hear about was everything happening with the coronavirus and if we'll have football next season. You know, I personally think we will, but I'll get more into that next week. Um, but yeah, we really enjoyed doing this. And as always, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever about the podcast, feel free to shoot the Instagram account a direct message. Uh, we love reading all those and thank y'all for listening and War Eagle. War Eagle.